0: You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. too far in the future, our sun begins expanding, set to engulf the Earth in its course and eradicate all life as we know it. Earth's best scientists come up with the best plan imaginable, building giant rocket engines to propel the entire planet out of the solar system. That sounds a bit far-fetched, to say the least. However, equally unlikely, I'd say, would be for a well-reviewed film, one of the highest-grossing movies of the year, And the second highest grossing non-English film of all time to be released internationally on the world's most well-known video streaming service, and nobody noticed. Both of these unlikely scenarios are the subject of this week's episode, The Wandering Earth. Now, Raj, before we get to your impressions of the film, allow me to acknowledge that this movie is utterly ridiculous. What did you think?
1: Like a lot of, like a lot of movies, that it, it made me think. Uh, and it was one of those where I did not want to dismiss anything right away. Um, but there's a lot of things that that kind of make it hard to simply allow yourself to let go and be taken for a journey because because of what the film is because of what it's trying to get you to accept it you're already kind of analyzing everything I, at least i was you know like i'm not a genius but this seems pretty improbable I and mean, if that is <laughs> if that's how you start the show off then then your 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 foundation is built pretty pretty rocky and, and it's and you have to try to build on that so that there's, so that we're able to let go of, of disbelief and, and be taken along on the journey. And with this show, as much as there were aspects of it that I thoroughly enjoyed, you kept going back to those few elements that are like, yeah, but. And I, I understand having done a little bit of research on it, that a lot of those yeah, buts are actually addressed in the novel upon which mm-hmm. this is based. So you have to kind of accept okay this is just a a maybe not truly authentic interpretation of that. Maybe it's just inspired by having not read the book. I I can't say. And maybe some of it again just trimmed for for spacing and for editing. I I can appreciate that. But some of the the big issues that I had and this is not jumping us ahead because it's literally at the beginning. And and that's what I had a problem with both times I watched it because I re-watched it this afternoon um, because I wanted to be prepared for this and it had been a few weeks since I watched it. And so the same thing happened again where at the very beginning it starts off preaching about, and I'm not using the term preaching badly or sarcastically, preaching about the climate change and what it's doing to our earth. So I thought, oh, okay, this is where we're heading. And then it jumps to the sun. And you're going, okay, well, whatever shit we're doing to our planet wouldn't have an impact on the sun. So that that transition makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then and and that completely invalidates everything that was said about climate change at the beginning. That means fuck all if you are having a sun that's dying on you um and then the whole time frame made no sense like there was no explanation of why is our sun suddenly billions of years ahead of schedule expanding and going to take over uh, the solar system and how in the ever-loving hell do you think? you're going to outrun it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so because that's right at the start, for me, again, it it took me that much longer to accept the premise and to roll with it just because, again, it's sci-fi and it's meant to be ridiculous. And to accept that it's not based on anything that can be rationally thought of as... The sci
0: part of sci-fi is... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, heavily. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> edited in this one
1: but I in all honesty I think that if the film had been and, and and I'm not a fucking filmmaker my opinion means jack shit but again it is mine if they had started with a better premise as to why the sun is suddenly expanding uh, and completely forget about the shit with the earth because again that, that means nothing it doesn't have any bearing at all at that that stage to explain some freaky ass whatever about the sun of why it's doing this or place it way ahead in, in the future. I, I don't know, fuck, figure something. It would be it's better what, than
0: this. It's one of the interesting things about this movie to me is that the story of finding out that the sun is expanding and is going to kill everybody and the big plan to, you know, attach rockets to the earth. And like, that would have been an entire movie in and of itself. And and that's how I explain this film to people is like, imagine this crazy disaster movie of this and that, blah, blah, blah. And they decide to, you know, rockets on the earth. And that's where this starts. (laughs) So in the grand scheme of this movie is absolutely ridiculous and you kind of have to watch it to experience it. I I feel it exceeds in that regards, but I totally get where you're coming from of you need some sort of anchor to sensibility and realism at some point to, to, to grasp onto.
1: And that's going to be different based on who you are and just how much you need based in some reality to move on with the film. I'm, I, I was willing to accept the rockets, not, in reality but for the purposes of this film yeah let's do it okay again utterly stupid but it's to me it makes a big difference if the film starts in such a way that there's there's a at least an attempt for a a rational explanation and there's none that's given because we're never told why the sun was expanding what, what what's causing it to do this again billions of years ahead of the projected time when this will happen space magic that's not good enough for this it's not <laughs> if you're talking about fucking flying saucers and everything the rest of the tech that got in there all right fine whatever but not for this this has to make sense again and you can make up whatever the fuck you want just don't be lazy about it and that's how it struck me at the the start
0: part Mm-hmm. So getting into the film itself, as I mentioned in the intro, this is literally one of the highest grossing films of all time. It made 700... It came out earlier this year, so it's not like this This is, this is had a long time to sit around and, and earn money. It made $700 million, like 99.8% of that, in the Chinese market. And justifiably that's a huge blockbuster by any standards that you want to set up and Netflix got a hold of the rights to it to distribute the movie internationally and I don't know about you but I did not know about this there's literally one person uh that on in like my twitter timeline is an online film critic that I follow this like hey this crazy movie that I reviewed earlier this year it's now on Netflix you might want to go check it out and I was like oh let me look at it and That's how I found out about it. I assume you found out about it from me.
1: Exactly, yeah. I hadn't even seen it. But again, we've talked about this. This is a problem right now with Netflix because they don't want to go beyond three seasons for most shows because it's no longer as profitable for them. There's a lot of things with metrics there. It's fucking ridiculous. But anyways, you have so many new shows that come out or films or whatever that get picked up and it's easy to get lost. Like Karen and I were just scanning through Netflix the other day, looking for something. And it was literally like, I don't recognize anything. I haven't heard about any of these uh, things that are up there. So yeah, it's, it's really easy to miss something. And the fact that, like you said, you can miss something this big, is awfully telling.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to imagine they invested a certain amount of money in licensing the movie, so they would want people to be aware of it, but it a lot of the things that we're seeing Netflix picking up strike me lately more as it's worth more to them to keep it off of Amazon or a rival service than it does to actually have it on their own service. True. Enough of that, though. Let's talk about the film movie itself. Uh, Directed by Front Guo, a relatively unknown director, even within China himself, this was China's film industry's first big science fiction blockbuster. To this date... All of China's biggest films have been historical dramas and martial arts epics. Uh, A lot of like the Zhang Yimou films, uh, Hero, House of Flying Daggers, that sort of stuff there. The only movie that's made more money than this in China is a martial arts film called Wolf Warrior. Haven't seen that, but it's definitely on my to-watch list at this point. Uh, As well as uh, Zhang Yimou had a new film come out earlier this year that I do want us to talk about when it's available in America. (laughs) Uh, Aside from that, though, The reason that China has not stepped too far outside of that historical and martial arts wheelhouse is that those films are significantly less expensive to make. Uh, A science fiction film requires an amount of CGI budget and technical knowledge that nobody within the film industry really felt they had a mastery over to the point of making a profitable film about it or a, f- a profitable film out of it. And finally they decided to just jump in with this movie, the wandering earth. And obviously they saw great returns on it. That $700 million, the movie only cost 50 million to make.
1: Yeah. But so, they had problems with the
0: funding too. I'm assuming. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 We're going to, we're going to get to that of course uh, <laughs> uh, to the point where um, the, the, really the only well-known actor in the film. Uh, Ku, I'm not even going to, tr- I'm, I'm apologizing, apologizing ahead of time because <laughs> I'm not very good with Chinese pronunciations. Uh, yeah, the uh, the father character, uh, Lu Pi Kang, uh, played by Wu Jing. Wu Jing is really the only marketable, well-known actor in this film within China. And they, at a point in production, like they even brought him in for a small role And once the the crew and the writers found out, like, who was going to be in the movie, they started writing extra scenes for him. And (laughs) before you know it, he's one of the most important characters in the movie. But... uh, Yeah, but think
1: of what the movie would have been without him. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying that
0: as uh, necessarily a fan of
1: his, because I hadn't seen him in anything else that I could think of beforehand. Um, But he was brilliant in this. Very good actor. But it... For me, his performance, his role in the film was the reason to watch it because of the mm-hmm. relation well, not just him, but the relationship with his son. Um, and was was the thing that ground the entirety of the film so that when I'm thinking about it in terms of like what I just said earlier, about how certain things were just, eh, I wish it was, would have been done better because it just makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. It didn't matter because what did grind Ground that that film was the the siblings' relationship, as well as the relationship with the grandfather, and then of course with the father. All of these very complicated and yet still emotionally packed relationships. So that's what was important in the film. So the idea of not having that is I'd be interested to read what the original script was. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and also an interesting aside the. Uh the Wolf Warrior movie I was talking about before, he starred in it and directed it. So we might have to put that on a future episode. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they were running low on funding. They, they ran through their budget. So the director approached him and was like, okay, here's where we are. Would you be willing to forego your salary on this movie? Which of 10
1: million U.S. dollars. Yes.
0: If you were to ask pretty much anybody. That's a quick no. (laughs) But not only did he say yes, he actually invested a portion of his own wealth to make sure the production continued. And of course, he saw a great return on that. I would assume more so than the 10 million that he was originally going to get paid. But it shows that he had faith in the project he was working on. And for me, this is something it's actually not terribly uncommon outside of the American Hollywood system, especially in foreign films where these movies are a matter of national pride. Like having a great Chinese film is very important to the Chinese actors and writers and directors. Same as you know, Japan. And like one of the most famous stories for me is going back to oh God, the 70s, uh, the Hammer films out of England uh, where Christopher Lee, had some of his most iconic roles as Dracula. He hated making those movies. He, every time they went to make one, he was like, no, I quit. And they would be like, well, if you quit, none of the cast and crew are going to have work. And do you really want to do that to the the British film ministry? So he would, he reluctantly made eight of those movies. (laughs) But it's, it's something that you see, quite a bit maybe not to this scale uh, in a lot of international filmmaking and it's it's something to be respected in my eyes well yeah it's
1: it's people understanding that the film industry is a team process and unfortunately you don't always see that from individual actors
0: so most of the film actually uh follows uh Liu's son lu ki Who is living on the Earth underground as it's on its journey? Clearly, with you know, without a sun or much of an atmosphere and no rotation, kind of hard to live on the surface of the Earth. So everybody's in bunkers underground for how long do they think they say it was going to take? Like 250 years or something like that to arrive at their new destination? (laughs) 2,500. 2,000. Yes. (laughs) So. uh, Where we come to in this film is just as Earth is approaching Jupiter. Anybody who's seen any amount of sci-fi or not even sci-fi, a lot of actual science, it's how they landed on the moon and stuff, is to use a large object's gravity to propel yourself faster and easier without expending too much fuel. So their plan is to use Jupiter as a slingshot for the Earth to get it out of the solar system before they burn through all their fuel for the engines. Unfortunately, if Jupiter kind of tends to be a little large, so they're aware that Jupiter's immense gravity could cause problems with this plan. And of course, it does. It, it, Earth gets a little too close, it throws off the engines, and essentially they're in a, chronic, a panic crisis mode where if they don't get the engines restarted, Earth's just going to plummet into Jupiter, and that would be kind of bad for everybody involved. Having prepared for this. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we go
1: any further. Yes. We have to address how unbelievable the special effects were for this film. Like
0: outside of some of the driving scenes, I absolutely agree.
1: Uh, even some of the driving scenes, which clearly they've watched a lot of Fast and Furious. <laughs> Somebody had a Tonka truck set as a kid and really liked the Fast and Furious movies. But when you're looking at the scenes in space, the scenes with Jupiter, the scenes where earth's atmosphere is being pulled into Jupiter, all of those was bat shit crazy. It made me want a bigger TV to be able to properly appreciate the scope and magnitude of those scenes. Cause fucking hell was it ever amazing looking.
0: And that's that goes back to my earlier point that the filmmakers weren't sure they had the technical know-how to pull off a movie on this scale.
1: Well they did some old old school stuff as well too with some matte paintings and different things like when you see Shanghai that is under ice like that was insane in terms of the special effects there and there was a lot of that throughout like it was God damn impressive. Mm-hmm.
0: So back to the story, uh they've prepared for this eventuality and there's a number of teams ready to go with new reaction mass to restart the engines and get Earth back on its course. And this is where uh Luqi gets caught up in it because this was uh right around the time he took a vacation, sort of uh, playing hooky, going up to the surface. He's decided fuck everything. I don't want to live underground anymore. And uh, essentially steals his grandfather's transportation truck.
1: (laughs) See, this is another thing that I did have a little bit of an issue with. And it ties in very much with something you see in a lot of films in China. And, And I get that that's a cultural difference, but a lot of the things like especially at the beginning when you're seeing him and and the interactions with the people that are there the silliness in the of the woman escorting the guy out of the the strip club but you know in a in a manner that's that's almost comical so when he's talking about he's leaving and he's taking his sister with him but it's a one way trip you're like I'm not I'm not feeling the gravity of the situation here. Mm-hmm. It comes in later, but I kind of wish that it had been treated more seriously from the start.
0: Yeah, there there was a lot of I don't understand what's going on, but I'm just going to accept it and move on and hope it makes sense later. Okay. Thankfully, a lot of it does make sense later, but that's still not necessarily great storytelling.
1: Yeah, it's the it's the only thing that I would tell people if I was telling people that are not Chinese, uh, like from, from China, to to give this movie a, a shot is A, accept the premise, just kind of roll with it, it'll be fine, and accept that there will be, at the start, a few moments that are the stereotypical weirdness that you see in some Chinese films, but that kind of goes away, and then it is taking itself seriously, and the moment it starts to take itself seriously, it really, really shines
0: right 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 around the time that uh they get arrested and this and that grandpa comes to bail them out i love grandpa uh god what was the, the actor's name that was grandfather jesus i don't know i know there's so many similar uh names in here i'm having Seriously, a bit of a- i'm
1: i'm like the guy in the tank there the ship the the, the- the truck at one point where he's saying scarface Band-aid and all this <laughs> and when they try to tell me his their names it's like no this is this is who you are now I can't remember all these names. Uh, the, the
0: the 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 actor is ing mantat uh the character is han jiang <laughs> so grandpa was awesome like, it's it, he had that great double role of being like yes the stern authority figure he has a very important job this is what he has to do but he's also just very endearing. Like he loves his grandson. He's kind of a goof off himself. Like both aspects of that character came across early on in the film and he, he was instantly very likable and became kind of an anchor of the early chapters.
1: Well, not just that, but once you find out the origin of the granddaughter, then all of a sudden his character becomes that much better. And, and you appreciate this makeshift family that had to, to grow together while underground, kind of thing, and it it really anchored that character a lot more. So that later on, um, when shit goes bad, he, you do actually have that, like, oh crap, not him, don't, no, don't. <laughs> and it's because of of good writing
0: beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the family gets conscript, conscripted by the uh, local military because the whole Jupiter thing caused a great amount of upheaval. This rescue mission to refuel the engines is not necessarily going to be easy. And their transport truck gets stranded and they had, they need grandpa and, uh, Liu King to, or I'm sorry, Lu key to help, uh, transport their reaction mass to the engine. So that this is where the movie just really kicks off and, continues raising the stakes for the better part of the next hour. Like it gets utterly more ridiculous, but I feel in a good way of the plans keep going wrong, the stakes keep getting raised and it has has a certain amount of momentum that just does not let up until the movie is over and that's really one of the things i most enjoyed about watching this is it was just a freaking roller coaster from this point on
1: i'll go so far as to say that i feel that had they tossed in one more thing kind of that it would have been too much That you would have been, Mm -hmm. like, for fuck's sake. We haven't even talked about the AI yet. Yeah. Like, I mean. (laughs) There's an entire subplot. So there's, like, a ton, ton happening. His relationship, the father with the the Russian cosmonaut and things like that. Like, there were so many things happening at the same time, but in a way that made complete sense in this nonsensical well, universe. <laughs> it's their solar system, because <laughs> they're they're kind of out at that point. But but I do feel that had they kind of thrown in literally one more this, then it would have been like, okay, that's too much for fuck's sakes. Like they, they've got enough on their plate. But it's because of because they do not shy away from showing graphic deaths, and because of some of the people that do die. And knowing how um, foreign films are a lot more prone to kill off a character than a North American film, uh, I, I justifiably was very worried about certain characters throughout. And yeah, nobody was so, safe. Exactly. So when these, when it gets harder and harder for them when there's so much in their way and, and like the world is crumbling around them as the tectonic plates are shifting and everything. Um, yeah, you're like, your heart is racing and you're, you're in for the ride. Mm-hmm.
0: And this is a good time as any to talk about the secondary story of the film, which follows Luke. Qi's dad, uh, the aforementioned Lu Pei Kang, who as one of the lead scientists on the wandering earth project is serving aboard the space station slash rocket ship. That is essentially a scout craft for the earth. It's preceding the earth in its journey and just kind of watching over things, monitoring things externally. They're seeing all this stuff going bad and not really much they can do about it. And there's this entire like, Conspiracy theory subplot going on with the most obvious 2001 Hal ripoff imaginable that I still kind of loved because of how blatant it was. <laughs> like, didn't I? At one point, I think it started whistling Daisy Daisy, didn't it?
1: I didn't hear that.
0: If not, I was probably just doing it in my mind Your because purchase. it was so similar. <laughs> I
1: love the AI because of the the revelation later on where it's it no it's not evil it's following orders yeah. plain and simple so it's I liked that because I feel that it, had it been a rogue AI, it would for me at least have been that one thing too much. But because it's just an AI that they have to that's they have to fight against but that you find out later, no it's not it's not malfunctioning. There's nothing wrong. It's not evil. It's following orders. It made perfect sense, and I loved it.
0: And a lot of this credit goes to the acting ability of Wu Jing, where when Moss, the AI, essentially sits him down, he's like, all right, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you what's really going on, and explains the plan to him and goes, look at Earth. It's fucked. Here's what we're really doing here. And you can see that point where he accepts it. He's like, shit, you're, you're right. There, there's nothing we can do to help Earth. I hate it. My family's there. They're all dying. But you're right. And, of course, Earth, spoiler alert, Earth doesn't die at the end of the movie. <laughs> I don't feel like that's too big of a stretch. But the journey to get there is so tense. I Honestly, even watching the movie, I was like, they they might actually do it. <laughs> they might just chuck Earth into Jupiter and call it a day. But he, the, his performances... Well, acting opposite essentially a toaster was fantastic.
1: Seriously speaking though, I I thought they were going to do it. I I don't know about you, but I for, once they made the reveal of why that space station actually exists, which once again suddenly makes sense because mm-hmm. at the start of the film it was like, well that kind of doesn't make sense. Why would It wouldn't need that. There'd just be one more thing that's not needed in this kind of situation. And then later you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. So, and it's a credit to the direction and editing. That you don't waste too much time trying to figure it out because the show takes you on this roller coaster ride, so that when it does if, when it is revealed later, you're like, "Oh, okay, I get it now. Wow, hey, that's pretty cool, actually, it makes sense. And again, I, I was thinking that I was as I had my second view on this afternoon, and it was it was it was cleverly written so that it not only does it suddenly make sense in terms of why, this is there, which is a crucial story element. but also it puts this this moral quandary at the foot of our hero's, you know cockpit um, that is that goes beyond anything that that is rational for a human being to have to decide. Like we're talking about is the human race going to to exist beyond the next few hours and your plan, could destroy not just the hope of it being rebuilt later, but the entirety of the world could still get sucked into Jupiter. So, so yeah, it, it it was again a testament to the to how well the film was done that I I was pretty sure that they were gonna let it get eaten up and basically he flies off into space, feeling horrible about how things have gone.
0: Right, it's it's that point of you know what does it mean for humanity to survive is it enough just for the genetic structure that makes us human or is it who we are as a community and yep. as the the movie reaches its climax and its second climax and oddly its third and <laughs> fourth climaxes that theme really pervades it that humanity is more than just you know who we are biologically it, it's who we are as a people, as a community. And ultimately, love and friendship save the day in like the most <laughs> well, stereotypical ways. But I, it was still like that victory at the end was heartwarming.
1: It's, it's one of those things where, again, they, they really play on this idea of, of hope and that being. Humanity's saving grace is our ability to hope and and to move forward. And and of course, they get the cutest little girl to deliver this speech because that's how you're going to win over people. But you're kind of watching this film, and you have to put yourself in that mindset. Like, what would I do? How would I react? And you're seeing people taking their own lives. You're seeing people saying, "Fuck this! I just want to go and." be with my family before it all ends. And then you do have the people that are like, Pfft, what have we got to lose? So when you have those moments, like when everybody turns around and heads over to um, to help, that it's heartwarming because we can see the reality in that of, well, I don't know if you read, you must have read what they were saying about how the the people that are the teams that arrive to help Mm -hmm. i was just
0: gonna get to that okay go for it yeah so in the the final climax of the movie as what's left of our rescue team is trying to come up with their absolutely absurd plan to somehow still save the earth despite the fact physics say no that's not allowed uh they they can't do it alone and as you said i'll Everybody else has accomplished their jobs, they've done their best, and it's still not enough. So they just want to spend what little time they have before they get swallowed by Jupiter with their friends, with their family, or in whatever cases where that's not optional, an option, with their bottle of alcohol. (laughs) And the, the call goes out for aid, and it's initially ignored, because, yeah, whatever, your stupid plan isn't going to work until, you know, there's that that glimmer of hope that like 0.001% chance of this actually working, which not great, but it's still better than absolute zero where you get the triumphant, like the music swells, all the trucks start turning around and returning to to help the team. Which was
1: a spectacular shot. Oh my Lord. That was just against, there were so many of these shots that I wish I could watch. Uh, I could have seen on the big screen. Like I'm, I'm considering watching this a third time, not because it was that good <laughs> that it deserves three watching in my <laughs> opinion, but because I want to watch this in my my PSVR so that I can oh, see wow. it like really big kind of thing. Because I think that again, I keep going back to the scenes in Shanghai, the um, the the scenes whenever they're driving those trucks full tilt and going at or I have a feeling that it was was absolutely
0: Mad Max at points. Oh, fuck,
1: yeah, except in the snow. And then all of the scenes with Jupiter, yeah, I want to see that on a big screen. When they're
0: outside the space station, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: So, yeah, the the international teams who are responding to the various uh, crises turn around to go help uh, – Luki, I have to keep looking at my notes to remember these names. I'm sorry. <laughs> help Lukey and uh, his friends and teammates with their last-ditch effort to save the Earth, and they arrive, not all at once, of course. That that wouldn't be entirely sensible. But the these international teams arrive one at a time to help them out. And the order that those international teams arrived in the movie actually mirrors the order that international relief teams came to china uh in the wake of a big earthquake they'd had a couple years previously so it was a nice homage to an actual real life tragedy and us as humanity not us as peoples of nations responding to help. I really liked that. I didn't know about it at the time, but once I read that later on, I was like, that was a really nice touch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can just imagine how heartwarming that was for the people that, that did go to help kind of thing to see that that was reflected in the film. Mm -hmm.
0: So I feel the best thing I can say about this movie is a, if you have Netflix, there's no reason not to watch it (laughs) much like we talked about with CU yesterday. Uh, does not get any sort of marketing behind it. It's essentially entirely word of mouth. And I feel they're both films worth watching for vastly different reasons. Uh, Wandering earth is almost pure entertainment value, but if you're going for pure entertainment value, you can't do much worse than a movie where halfway through a character stands up and exclaims, let's explode Jupiter and everybody cheers. Yeah. And I would go so far as to say that as utterly ridiculous as this movie is, and that's where I started the episode, this movie is utterly ridiculous. It's very entertaining. It's very heartwarming at times. It gives you characters that you can relate to in one way or another. It sets its stakes. It never lets up. It is absolutely relentless in its pacing. And it makes at least as much sense as the last couple Avengers movies.
1: Yeah, maybe a little more. Let's
0: be... <laughs> <laughs> so, absolutely well worth checking out, in my opinion. Tell your friends, Tell I've been preaching about this movie to anybody who will listen, and a few people have come back to me afterwards and said, oh my God, you were right. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely worth watching. There's, There's a lot of scenes that... During a second viewing, I was able to kind of not be rushed through and take my time and look at what's going on in the scene and really appreciate it for what it is, um, and and they are quite spectacular. Like they're when you start the film off, you really kind of are. it's like you're thrown into a washing machine. You're bounced all over the place. It doesn't always make sense. And some of the first few scenes, again, until he's basically on the surface with his sister, a lot of it is taken too lightly, but the moment that flips, that switch is flipped. um, There's a few moments of, of comedy throwing in. There's a few grown worthy moments, but by and large, it's a ton of fun and it's, it's got scenes that are profoundly well acted. Like when you're seeing the stuff with the grandfather in the elevator shaft profoundly well acted when you're seeing the father's tears floating in space. Again, you're getting these really good moments that, um, the, the female soldier that gets, Mm -hmm. I want to say impaled, but it is, um, She was a great character, too. Like when she shoots the thing and she's crying and it's like, you don't understand. We're done. This is it. And she's she's given up and she's ready to 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 be killed and and to die because of it. Uh, Tons of scenes like that throughout that really make this a a worthwhile film to check out for sure.
0: So is this the first movie in the history of Popcorn Ronin I've recommended to you that you've liked? Dude, you know, my memory's not that good.
1: (laughs) I think it might be. I don't know. No, that's not true. I liked your name.
0: Oh, that's 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 true. Okay. Screw you, buddy. Go back, check the show. Out. I'm just saying the, the the air quotes of Vince episodes have not had a very good batting average. I
1: that that was more so with Comic Book Informer. I don't think it's been that bad here. But my memory is not good. Roll with it. I'm I'm giving yeah, you a shot. I, to I will, roll I will with take us.
0: your praise. There you go. <laughs> I accept this. <laughs> so thank you very much everybody for listening uh, this has been popcorn ronin go out tell your friends about this amazing movie watch it with a group of people like this is a great popcorn flick <laughs> just get some friends around and enjoy the absolute absurdity of it but again still very good movie find more movies on netflix amazon whatever streaming service that aren't getting advertised Check them out. If you like them, send them our way. Uh, You can reach us on Twitter. I am at Simodian. Rogers at Zen Buddhist. We will see you next week. Well, we won't. Roger will because there's another fun comic book TV series coming up with some of our friends. Well, as long as they're available. If not, you and I will have to plan something. But, yeah,
1: (laughs) Joe and I really, really dug Doom Patrol a lot. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching it with my wife too. Like we really enjoyed it a lot. So I've been looking forward to shooting the breeze with it. And it turns out Marty loved it as well. So yeah, we're going to be doing a uh, the first season of Doom Patrol next week, hopefully. Uh, so that's going to be a ton of fun to record.
0: And full disclosure, I'm not skipping the episode because I didn't like it. I'm skipping it because I just didn't watch it and honestly don't have the time <laughs> for it right now. The little bits I've seen of it, look absolutely amazing and it's definitely in my queue but as far as scheduling around work and other life stuff 13 hours is a a bit more than I can manage right now. We're going to be
1: doing different shows with different people that's the joy of
0: this so don't worry about it. Yeah. So uh, thank you again everybody for listening and we'll see you soon. That was almost a Marty exit there. I was halfway to taking a drink of water and going oh wait we need an outro. (laughs) We're not done yet. these unlikely scenarios are the subject of this week's episode the walking earth or I'm sorry the wandering earth god i fucked it up <laughs> i'll actually let you fix that go back fix the line both of these unlikely scenarios wait 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 are you the... got to
1: do it without the, the the laughing at the start
0: okay go now both